If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey everyone, I'm Brenda, and I'm Julia, and you're listening to Roaring Twenties Podcast. Your 20s are known as both the most exciting and most confusing years of your life. We're here to share our stories, to have real and raw conversations, and best of all, to make you feel a little less alone. This podcast was brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Roaring Twenties Podcast. Today, we have on with us registered dietitian, Paige Hyden, to help us dive into the science behind nutrition and improve our relationship with food. We haven't done this topic in quite a while, so I'm so excited to get into it and so excited to have you on the show. Thanks for being here, Paige. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to dive in with you both. Absolutely. I think this is going to be a really fun episode. I know, especially around the summertime when we're out and about a lot more and in bathing suits and doing all the social events, um, food and body and the way we eat comes up a lot. So I think it's perfect timing for an episode like this. I know, especially after Memorial Day weekend, I'm feeling like, oh my God, I haven't eaten a green thing in days. (laughs) Uh, So we need to all get back on track. So hopefully Paige can help us out with that. But first off, Paige, tell us a little bit about you, who you are, where you're from, and how old you are since it's Roaring Twenties. Yeah. So my name is Paige. I am 24 years old, born and raised in New Jersey. I now live in Hoboken, New Jersey. And I really found my passion for nutrition at a pretty young age, which I feel like my story correlates a lot with a lot of others in this field. A lot of times, a lot of people in the nutrition dietitian space have like a personal connection to kind of their story. So I'll give a little brief overview, um, but I really struggled with my weight at a young age through athletics. Um, I was a major soccer player and I had an actual experience with a coach come up to me at a very young age and basically, you know, sit me down and say, you have great skills, but we really can't keep you on the field for long portions of time because your stamina is just not where it needs to be. Mm. He, he didn't say anything about weight directly. Um, he said it in a very respectful way and I didn't take it wrong. I actually took it and started like game planning. I feel like that's my type A dietitian personality (laughs) already. Like I was like, okay, how am I going to improve my stamina? Like I need to figure this out. So I went home, I talked to my parents and again, I feel like as I feel like many girls have especially experienced. My mom took me to Weight Watchers when I was 12 and Mm. I actually had a really positive, healthy experience from it, which is not super common, especially Mm -hmm. today. I think Weight Watchers has changed a lot. Um, When I really did it, it really just incorporated more fruits and vegetables, discouraged the, for lack of a better word, junkier foods. And mm-hmm. it just really was all I needed. And it was super basic. But just really like a little like guidelines yeah. and structure. Sure. Yeah. Like how to build a plate and proper portions. And I, again, my personality, I, the numbers weren't causing really anything disorder. They were just really, I was thriving on the structure and the measuring and feeling like everything was in its place and where it needed to be. So, um, and I was, improving my stamina. I was losing weight. And even at that time, I don't think physically I was like feeling any different. I would feel like I was confident before this happened. And I feel so grateful that again, this experience didn't really turn in, turn in the wrong direction as I know it totally could have. Um, but that is really kind of what led me into discovering my own interest in food and nutrition and 
diet. So combined with my interest in science, I realized later on, I guess in high school, got a little bit older, continued playing soccer, got through that experience. And really from then on, chased this dream of becoming a dietitian. And I'm sure we'll get into it more of kind of in my twenties, like where I started and where I am now, but as many dietitians do, I'm not sure how familiar you guys are. Maybe if my boss, my boss's episode, Alex got into it, but a lot of dietitians start in the hospital. So I worked for about a year in the clinical setting as a clinical dietitian. And I did some inpatient work on the hospital floors, some outpatient in doctor's offices. And what I really haven't mentioned, I guess, throughout the whole time is I was building my social media presence in college, just kind of for fun, um, which I'll cover more probably towards the end, but Mm -hmm. I have this Instagram that I was really just sharing recipes for fun um, on and started following dietitians. And Alex was one of the first dietitians I followed who I now work for. And I was just obsessed and so intrigued by like a virtual private practice. Like, what does that even mean? And I thought you could only work in a hospital. So it kind of opened my eyes to that kind of in college. I was like, wow, the like so into the flexibility and just how different of an experience, like how many different things you could do as a dietitian. So kind of to where I am today, I left my job at the hospital about six months ago, seven months ago, and I've been working with Alex in the private practice world now. So general overview, there's probably yeah. a lot of holes in there, but um, that that's, great. I guess, a brief overview. Totally. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm so grateful for you sharing all those little bits and pieces because I, there's just so many parts of it. I think from beginning in your journey with Weight Watchers and structure and routine and just some knowledge, like I think some of the things that over time when we take like the emotion out of it, and that's not to undermine any like trauma or negative experiences that people have had with food, their bodies, diets, whatever, extreme ones that is. Um, but with all that being said, I do think a lot of us as humans, like we thrive with knowing what's best for us, which again is individualized. But I think if we don't have this basis, like that's the part of the narrative that's often missing is I'll tell you that as a, you know, as a teenager, I had no idea like what portions were right for me because of course food tastes good. We love chocolate. We love all those things. So it's easy to just have more than maybe you planned or more than you, your body might need for energy or whatever, um, if you don't know. So I love that you had a positive experience in that sense and that there was no like lingering negativity and that it really just showed you, gave you some tools and education on what you can do for your body. And then you kind of took it from there. So I love that. Um, but in terms of like a lot of things changing, I feel like something that I would love to dive into in a little bit, but of course you want to know other bits and pieces too, is just Um, you talked about your network and Julia and I, obviously this isn't something we plan to ask, but you brought it up. And Julia and I talk a lot about like networking really in your twenties, because I think it's so complicated and we sometimes feel like awkward putting things out there or making certain connections. And the fact that you were able to make such a strong connection through social media, that now you have a boss (laughs) who is awesome. Um, and that you were able to establish that, like what, um, we'll get into the nutrition stuff, but I really don't want to forget this. Um, what do you think what was the beyond the fun portion of social media? Like, what do you think drove you to continue sharing to a point where you were able to make it full-time differently than you expected? Does that make sense? Yeah, I love that question. Um, Interestingly enough, to become a dietitian, you have to complete what's called a dietetic internship, Mm -hmm. Um, which I don't think I mentioned. I completed that at Rutgers after my undergrad. Um, But to get into these dietetic internships, it's wildly competitive. I think the numbers are getting a little bit better, but so the acceptance rate for these programs is at the time I was applying where I think 40 ish, 30 to 40 ish percent, each program has like 12 to 14 seats. It's crazy. Such, such a, I don't want to say toxic culture, but it's just such a small little world. Like if you're not in it, who would really know it's very similar process to actually medical school of match day, And like, it has to be a match on both sides. It's almost like a dating app too, if you think about it. But um, I was just in the mindset in early on in college when I knew, like I was so headstrong, this is what I wanted to do. I was also trying to think outside of the box of making myself unique for that dietetic internship process. So I was doing all the volunteer work and the working, I worked at a food bank. I worked um, in a research lab on campus. I was doing all the things that looked really great on a resume and that I actually really enjoyed. And all these experiences just kind of validated, like, I don't know what I want to do exactly, but I'm loving every single experience. And something that I feel like even from today versus like 
six years ago when I started it, like social media and being a dietitian and virtually kind of like not selling yourself only, but like having your business virtually was something that I felt like was so unique and so up and coming and an end goal, like super long-term for me. So here I am. I mean, I never thought the private practice world would be something like this early on that would be in the cards. And I don't think it necess- I don't think I ever would have taken the jump on my own if I hadn't had this network connection to learn from someone else and work under someone else. But my connection with Alex and so many others like networking wise stemmed from, I thought I wanted to just create a platform to kind of set myself apart from other applicants. And I think later on, later on, like some essay, like long questions that you had to answer, I would glaze on the surface of like this presence that I had. And it was, I feel like it was kind of a hit or miss. Some older school like directors didn't really understand, like in interviews, if you talked about it, it was sometimes like, ooh, they do not understand what I'm talking about. And then others were like, oh, she's like gonna have a virtual private practice. Like this is amazing. She's so creative. So like it did end up, I think in the end being really valuable and it ended up being so much more than like what I really created the account for, which I honestly don't know if many people know that that was the real reason behind it, but that is really, I guess, what brought it all together. And the networking on the side is just something I also as a, at a young age, like loved to do. I loved talking to any dietitian I ever came across. And I was like that loud young kid who just would like talk to adults and older adults anytime. And I feel like it's kind of just stayed with, stayed with me. And to sit in my seat now, I feel like the roles are reversed sometimes because to leave clinical is, is rather uncommon. And sometimes I'll get reached out to for the same thing I used to reach out to dietitians for of like, how did you leave clinical? Like, what do I need to do? What's private practice like? So I feel like as a dietitian, again, the community is so small, like you just always pay it forward and it always ends up working out and following a future connection or helping the next one behind you. Oh, I love that. And such so important and so important for people to hear and think about. And also just following like what is true to you and your own path. And you had a vision and a and a passion for doing this a certain way. And you know, like you said, not everyone's gonna like that. Not everyone's gonna vibe with that, but being able to, you know believe in what you're creating and follow that passion, even if it's a little bit more individualistic than what's the norm, um, I think is really, really powerful. And obviously it got you to an amazing place. And for anyone who doesn't know, the person we keep referencing is (laughs) Alex Turoff, who um, has been on the show twice and she's absolutely amazing. So check out her episodes after you listen to Paige, if you want even more information and know who this anonymous person (laughs) that we're talking about is, it's Alex Turoff and she's amazing. So I really want to get into some of the nutrition stuff because I think it's so interesting and uh, we always love having a real expert on the show. So something that you uh, talk about a lot on your platform is flexible dieting. I have never heard that term before you. Um, What is flexible dieting? Great question. I feel like I also, even in my like educational career, that was not really a term that was necessarily introduced or taught. Um, Flexible dieting is really the approach um, that I saw from it. The first time I saw it was on Alex's platform at Alex Turoff Nutrition. That's what Alex preaches. And that is what I completely align with and believe in as well now as an RD. I think um, through the years of school, like that was such a, I had so much, I felt so much pressure, like what niche, like what belief am I really gonna have and be able to serve other people with? Um, and flexible dieting, when it comes down to it, I feel like we touched on it when we kind of talked about the Weight Watchers of like laying that foundation of the basics, but it's really combining laying the basic foundations of nutrition education and really understanding like, what am I putting into my body and really combining that with calorie and macronutrient, like macros, if you've heard of that term, awareness, and really avoiding it getting to the point or pushing restriction or obsession and really just laying the foundation and the knowledge of what are these things? What does my individual body need? And also what are my goals and what do I need to give my body to really get there in a healthy and sustainable way? So that's, I guess, 
an overview answer to flexible dieting. And with the term flexible, it can look super different for everyone. I feel um, some people thrive on the numbers, kind of like I also mentioned already, the structure, um, counting a lot of things, stepping on the scale every single day. Some people thrive on it being a lot looser and more intuition and leaning into feeling how your clothes feel versus stepping on the scale and really feeling into your hunger and fullness cues after a meal, not really focusing on just the numbers, but looking at it from a whole picture, which is really what we want every client to do at the end of the day as well, finding that mindful, intuitive approach to really bring it all together. But in the beginning, especially, we really focus on laying that foundation and kind of like wiping the noise out Mm -hmm. from all the things you've done or maybe heard in the past. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I, I love it because I do think obviously there, there is a lot of noise and I personally have been, I don't want to say victim. I've fallen for a lot of the noise in all different ways, tried all the things, all the pills, all the diets, all, um, everything in between. And when I came across flexible dieting macros, it's, it's hard when you come from a world of like, um, doing all those things in a negative way to step into this where you're like, Oh, I can use this as a tool. Like I can use this knowledge. Like it's a totally different world. And again, obviously not everything is one size fits all, but I do think that like the emphasis on the term flexible is so cool because even, um, as like one small example, like I like bloat or whatever really easily. So for me, like having smaller meals, having things with like actual better, not better, um, balance, like macronutrient ratios are so much better for me versus like some people not saying veggies aren't important. Of course they are. But like, I bloat so intensely from veggies that like, sometimes the volume, like I wouldn't consider myself a volume eater, you know? So anyways, it's just, it's so cool how we all have different ways of doing that. Like for people that do love to eat like tremendous amounts and love to feel super full. Like I personally like feel uncomfortable being too full. So, um, yeah, it's just so cool how it really is depending on what's best for you. But with all that, I feel so empowered. And I hope that other people do too listening to this to know that like, if you do have certain goals that you can reach them and working with people like you working with people like Alex um, is such a key in being able to understand what that looks like. Because I know for myself, for sure, like I would have never like understood what my body really needed if I didn't first silence the emotional noise (laughs) um, or Mm -hmm. figure all that stuff out and then really understand and use the tools and knowledge and skills to implement and replace, you know, all those old narratives. So it's so tricky, but I'm so grateful for you sharing that because I really do think there's a lot of extremes, right? Like either people are like, you're dieting, that sucks, that's bad for you. Or like, um, you know, or people take it to an extreme where it is not flexible. So it can be hard. Yeah. I thank you so much for sharing. I feel like um, the way you really phrased that comment about it's okay to have goals is something that is often a, I wouldn't want to say a struggle, but it feels like I always have to be really careful sometimes about what I'm saying and how I'm saying it, especially being credentialed now, there's even like more, I feel like internal pressure Mm -hmm. behind like what to say. And you also just touched on the reality of today's world of just polar opposite side, like sides really of what's going on in Mm -hmm. the world of nutrition. And we really fall, I wouldn't say like smack in the middle, because what really is, I don't really think there's even a middle, but we don't fall on either side. So I think that defining that and really preaching that is difficult. Um, But when you find the people who are really looking for that, that's when, you know, the magic really happens of them realizing like, it's okay to want to make changes. And the key is to do it in a healthy, individualized, sustainable way. Yeah. Especially on the individualized um, approach, which I absolutely love and everybody's different. For someone who is like, who has maybe goals or whether that is to do with weight or just overall health and wellness, um, but isn't sure because right, you brought up a couple of different ways, like either, you know, something more structured or something more intuitive, mm-hmm. like for someone who is kind of lost and is feeling like, I really don't know which method would be best for me um, and how to pair like a certain method with a certain type of lifestyle. Like I know Brenda and I live very different lifestyles. Like Brenda, like, you know, goes to a nine to five every day and she preps her meals and she packs her meals. And I'm always out at like networking events, eating out and blah, blah. So we have very different lifestyles. So 
for someone who's feeling like they have goals and there's certain things they want to accomplish, but really don't know like what kind of method is right for them. How do you start with like those type of clients that feel like they just really don't know what is right for their body at that stage in their life? That's such a good question. And I think there's also something to be said for where to start, even taking a step back of everyone comes to us with goals. And I would say the majority do have a weight related goal. And the majority also often have a poor relationship with food for lack of a better word, or a disordered eating habits. Um, The list goes on of certain food fears. So that's what we really do first. And that's really just what Brenda just said of like, first I deal with the emotional and that's really where we start. And then from there, we can kind of dive into what's next and like really laying the foundation and addressing the goals. As far as, you know, how to um, counsel or really get specific of what's going to work for one person and what's going to work for the next, it's kind of going off of what you just said. We really spend a lot of time, even before they first meet with us on getting an idea of what their lifestyle is and what their day-to-day is. Um, how are they like anything from how are they sleeping? How are their bowel movements? How is their stress? How are their stress levels? What are their typical meals and snacks throughout the day? What times are these meals and snacks happening? The list goes on and on of these very intensive forms that clients fill out. And then of course we meet you and we talk to you through even more than that. And oftentimes we learn so much more than what we thought we knew so much about someone. And like we meet someone and it's just like all these other things start to come up. So I think it depends, which is a tough answer Mm -hmm. to really give you, but it's also, it's a combination of not to say this is in the clinical setting, but maybe judgment, like expertise judgment of going off of experience of previous clients. And also I pick Alex's brain all the time. If it is a tricky situation of, you know, where would you go? Have you ever had a situation like this? Mm -hmm. I feel like there's so much value that I am so grateful to have of having that resource in where I am now in my career and how much it's helped me. But as far as things like, um, how to say food journal, should I use, you know, most of our clients use something like my fitness pal, where the database is really large and it's the most user-friendly. Um, but who's to say someone isn't more old school and would thrive off of using pen and paper. So that is something where we factor in like, what's your personality, what's going to work best for you. And also we can always pivot. We can always change. Like if you start on paper and you're like, I want to try an app. If you start on paper and you're like, this is driving me crazy. I can't keep track of my food. I'm going crazy. We throw the journal away and Mm -hmm. we, we take 12 steps back. So I think it depends is like the moral of that answer, but we find an approach that's going to be best for you for wherever really you're at. We really meet you where you're at. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And it's, it's so helpful because I do think that a really big notion is that like, there's only one way. And if you don't follow one way, then it's not going to work. And that's just so not true. And it's, it's also like different seasons, right? So like, I know that for the very beginning of when I first started, like being aware of and conscious of, and even tracking my macros, like my lifestyle is so different now, honestly, even over the past couple of weeks, like you, Julia was just like, Brenda preps for meals. I've been ordering from a meal prep service lately. Like, I don't, I don't got time for that anymore. Um, so it's just interesting because it's like, depending on your financial situation, your time, like, and, and what's important to you, right? Your values. Like, I think for, for myself, like sometimes we have options, right? It's like, okay, is this within my budget? <laughs> like at, there was a couple of months ago where no, like ordering from a meal prep service wasn't even like, I couldn't even consider it. Like it, it was, it was silly. After I got a, a promotion, I was like, okay, this is doable. It's not me going, you know, be blowing out everything out of proportion. And obviously that's important being in our twenties, things aren't always, you know, super easy when it comes to finances with whether it's loans, payments, whatever, paying rent. Um, so it's just, I think it's so cool when you're able to really work with someone that that cares for you and is not only working, meeting you where you're at when you first begin, but also is with you like throughout the process as your life adapts. Cause my life looks so different from when it did a year ago, even a couple of months ago. Um, so I think that if there wasn't that level of flexibility, it, you do feel like you're failing or you do feel like you don't know how to adjust. Like I've, I really feel like I've talked to so many people that have had like seasons where they're like, okay, I really want to push. And like, I want to challenge myself to like actually have 
you know, whole foods for the next couple of weeks. Like Julia was like, oh, I just Memorial Day weekend haven't had a green. Like sometimes after that, like it's nice to have a couple of greens for a couple of days and like challenge yourself to be consistent with yeah, that. Yeah, no, I, I, I could tell everyone from my nutritional ex- uh, expertise that chips, <laughs> chips are not sustainable meals for three meals a day for a whole weekend. <laughs> You nutritional expert, Julia. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's so true. It it really is. So, with all of the things we've said, um, thank you for for sharing all yeah, of that. But that brings me to to my next question, which is summer's coming up, and personally, I go out a lot more during the summer. I have a lot more events that are focused around food. Usually there's more drinking involved in the summertime and it can be very hard during that time to like find balance or not like go off the rails and then like want to like be super strict and restrict and then feel really stressed. So what are your tips for like not there's a few, there's a, it's a multiple part question here, but what are your tips for like not blowing everything that you know to be right about eating well on these type, during these types of months? And then we'll start there and then I'll come to my, my follow-up. Amazing. I think that it couldn't be more timely of a question. I was on my stories today, just really um, letting all of my followers know, and I'll say it again here, that it's okay to be off of your routine. It's okay to go away and not have the main focus of your trip or wherever you are be, you know, your goals, whatever that may look like nutritionally. And that's really where I would start. The first thing to think about when you're approaching a week where you might be dining out three or four times, or you have a trip coming up is really, how do I want to approach this trip? And I think to what Brenda was just mentioning before of, There are different times where different things maybe make sense or are more realistic for lack of of a better word. And I think that that's so important to really zoom out and take things in like chunks or even if it's three days, like take it as small and realistic as you need to then get to the next chunk and really keep building off of that. But the first thing, first things first is how do I want to approach, you know, June into July 4th, maybe let's say as like a really nice example Um, to take a more specific example. If you know, you're someone who has weight, weight loss goal is this next, you know, four or five weeks, a time where that is really like, am I really set up for success with what I have going on socially taking, taking really everything off the table besides socially what's going on here. And would it just really benefit me more and decrease my anxiety to just really focus on enjoying these moments and maintaining and really figuring out at the next, you know, chunk of time, what do my next few weeks look like? I want to, I want to tighten things up and there's nothing wrong with that. I think even just saying something like that, there's shame and like, you're wrong to say, like, it's now a time where I want to tighten things back up. I want to, I want to get back on track. I want to refocus. And that's something I talked about today. Like there's nothing wrong with being off track and there's nothing wrong with feeling like I want to get back on track, but it's about how you go about that, which you kind of touched on about, you know, how do I go away and eat all the things and then come back and not restrict, restrict, restrict. And that's the first biggest tip that I would give is to avoid restriction and get back to your normal eating patterns. And for some clients we work with that right there is the problem. They don't have normal eating patterns. They're not eating structure. They'd have no structure to like what they're eating. So whether they're work from home or not, and maybe they're going to the office, that's something we work on. As far as specific tips off of that, of how to really approach a trip, um, I'd also say a few things would be control what you can control before and after. So if you're going into Memorial Day weekend, what's your Monday to Thursday? Let's not let's not make the vacation, the unknown last longer than maybe Friday, Saturday, Sunday, maybe potentially Monday morning when you might be heading home. Let's try to really condense this uncertainty and unknown as small as a window as we can. So that means on the front end, eating your normal structured routine, getting your movement in, getting good sleep. Maybe you won't get a lot of sleep over the weekend, um, drinking a lot of water, all of the things. And then on the returning end, what are you going to have to eat when you get back to maybe say your apartment in New York city, which a lot of my clients are returning to, do you have groceries ordered already? Are you making a list? Are you planning? Are you getting ahead of it? So that again, 
your Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday doesn't now become Tuesday when like ordering out, not having a plan, grazing on the snacks and the random frozen option you have in the veg in the um, freezer. And now it's the weekend again. And like, you can't really get back to your routine because now it's another few days of like eating out, going to all the things, et cetera. And then feeling really, you know, poor when you could have, you know, wrapped it all in right when you got home. So controlling what you can control is a really big one. And then I kind of glazed, glazed over the other ones of getting your movement in, staying hydrated, getting back into your sleeping routine, all of those things, um, which are of course very generalized and could look different for everyone. But those are like the general vacation trip type of tips, which sound so simple. And that's really because it should be it's so com. It sounds so complicated yeah. out there, but it's really simple. <laughs> and sometimes I feel like it. You just need the permission, quote unquote, to do that. Like, and you know, whether it's from someone like you or to ourselves, I think we don't often give ourselves that permission. And hearing it from someone like you, I I know has like taken some of my anxiety away. Like literally this weekend, because I'm sure other people can connect like can resonate I literally ate like chips and beer for like the whole weekend and then coming back I felt terrible like so terrible my face is breaking out like I just feel like my tummy isn't that good be also because I'm the type of person that usually eats mostly whole foods lots of vegetables lots of fruit yogurt stuff like that that's just what I like um and it's what I prefer to eat because I know when I eat the chips and the beer, I don't feel good. But so, you know, coming back, I was like, oh my God, I feel horrible. I feel sick. Like, I don't like the way my skin feels. So now I have to be like so perfect to like get myself back on track. And that wasn't working for me because then I was like stressing about like everything that I was eating. And then I was like, well, okay, like I'll just, you know, eat this and then not being satisfied and then, you know, doing something more and it ending up just like spiraling. So I think just giving yourself that permission to be like, it's okay. Like, yeah, you don't feel great right now because you, you ate chips for three days in a row, but you can just like go back to your normal on track, like what you normally do. And it doesn't have to be perfect to like combat the chips that you totally. <laughs> keep coming back to the chip. <laughs> it's never going to be perfect. Right. And I think um, something, especially in your case scenario is like that totally is not your normal and yeah. you don't, you don't feel good. So if that's the motive towards getting back to your routine, that's, what I would want for everyone to really recognize how you feel when you're eating yeah. whole, real balanced meals and drinking the water and doing all the things versus not that there's anything wrong with being off of that, but you don't feel your best. So exactly. I think that that's so important um, coming off of any trip or week or weekend, um, which is something that my clients are constantly going, going on. So um, laying the foundation of the routine when they're not away is so, mm -hmm. so, so key. Yeah. And yeah, moving on. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. yeah just no, moving no, you're on good, from you're it. Good. No, you're, you're so right. And I, I think the, I'm glad you said that last piece, because I think that that's what people struggle with. And something I personally have struggled with like my whole life is the letting go portion, right? It's like, I, I think for myself or maybe you know, for you guys, maybe I've experienced too, like I have a hard time letting go of things in general, because I think I have an expectation that like, I should know better, or I should do better, or I've learned this lesson before. So I think beyond all of the like shame and guilt that we can play into it, I think when you have like certain standards for yourself in different areas of life that like, when you expect yourself to have learned something already, it just adds so much extra pressure to be like, what the heck I'm doing this again. Like, and I think people have that with any habits that they experience, whether it's, you know, they keep going back to a toxic ex-boyfriend or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, I think it's one of those things where it's like, dang, like I've learned this. Why am I going back? But I love what you said. And I think it's key about the, like, looking at your next couple of weeks, my friends, I don't think they actually laugh at me, but I'm always like, I'm the friend that I'm like, Hey guys, I made a habit tracker for this month. Like use it or don't. Um, but here it is in case you need it. Or sometimes I send it by accident, but anyways, <laughs> um, I just think I it's so that. like refreshing. Yeah. Um, refreshing to look at like a span of time because instead of looking at it, and I used to be the same as what, what Julia was just saying in terms of being perfect for that amount of time. But I think it's so cool to be able to look at a span of time and like really wonder like, what can I give myself 
And also in terms of like a mantra, like something that I like say to myself, if um, like, I'll just be like, oh, I could do anything for seven days. I could do anything for 15 days. I could, you know, like little things in that sense where it's more empowering and, and like freeing, right. Where it's not pressuring versus um, being like, you have to do this. And I think that's also um, powerful is just understanding the difference between like, you don't have to do anything. It's just about what do you feel you're best doing? So um, yeah, I love that you mentioned the, the span of time because I, I think when, especially when people jump into certain habits, I think we think we're supposed to do something really specific and restrictive forever, which isn't the case. Like what you're explaining in terms of sustainable habits. Yeah. That we can do forever. Cause it looks different on the day to day. Um, but I don't think we look at it like that. Yeah. I think the habit tracking, if every client of mine habit tracked, I would be such a happy, such a happy person. Yeah. <laughs> I want a habit track. I think that's amazing. And I think some of our, some of my clients actually do that in different capacities. Like there's so much power, like you're saying to zooming out. Cause a lot of times, you know, people can get frustrated of not being where they want to be. And then when they really reflect on like, well, what did the past six weeks really look like? What was I doing? Um, what did these days and weekends really look like? And then it's almost like, most of the time to do an exercise like that, a lot of validation to yourself of like, you do not need to beat yourself up. You did not fail. You lived your life and this is what you were doing. And this is where you are now. And where can we go next? So it's not only reflecting back. It's also, like I mentioned, like looking ahead can be super, super powerful rather than just, you know, beating yourself up about today. Let's really focus on comes back to sustainability. Like this is a long-term this is a marathon. So we got to look yeah. at chunks of time in both directions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in terms of a marathon, I think people are often in a rush and just like understanding the timing um, that's, that's going to come along with that is super powerful. But also I think it just makes us more realistic, right? Because I know there have been so many times where I've been like, I've been so great at doing what I'm doing. And then I look back at my habit tracker. I'm like, I didn't even drink water this day. Like what am I talking about? <laughs> um, so yeah, I just, it's, it's so powerful, but anyways, kind of going off of that, um, in terms of like cravings and whatnot, what are your tips or thoughts or tricks on, I think there's a lot of like treat yourself mentality, which again, there's nothing wrong with, but for someone that like is maybe in a position right now where they're like, all right, I'm not feeling my best. I really want to feel confident in my skin. I want to feel, you know, lighter and all the things. How can we not give into cravings consciously without establishing any sort of like negative relationship with food? Great question. And I loved the way you ended that question. Um, Oftentimes what we crave, if you do experience cravings, which I of course included from time to time do is often maybe what's, what's been restricted, whether you know it or not. So when we think about cravings, the way I typically like to kind of break it down and explain it is what might be behind the craving rather than, you know, getting so frustrated in the moment of I'm always going to the chocolate. Why can't I stop? Maybe kind of like we talked about with food tracking and you know, back 40 minutes ago about Weight Watchers, like collecting data and really looking at what might be going on. And that really comes down to with cravings, often physical, nutritional, and habitual. So when we think about these three things, physically, cravings can often happen, most often, I would say, from just going too long without eating, having that low blood sugar drop of feeling fatigued and irritable and cranky and craving because you've gone, you know, way past the two to three to four hour mark of eating. And you're just kind of grabbing anything you can go for. And to you in the moment, you might feel like you're craving, but you're actually ravenous because it's just been too long. So that's a really big physical one. Other physical things to really think about are sleep and water. If you're not getting adequate sleep, you're going to crave sugar all day. And that could be as simple as like one poor night of sleep. The next day you might find like your eating is out of whack. You're just like, can't get your hand out of the candy jar and you need all this carbs and bread and all the things. And that sugar craving is from the lack of sleep that you got. And same thing with dehydration. When you're feeling again, headache, irritable, just like feeling low energy, you could have cravings as well. So those are like physically, oftentimes the rule outs and things to think about first. The next thing that you would think about is what I mentioned of like specific foods being restricted nutritionally. It's not rocket science, but it still sounds kind of like, oh, like that's not something I thought about. But if you're restricting 
carbohydrates, starches, breads, potatoes, all of the things you could crave them. So that's something to think about. Like, have I had carbohydrates throughout the day or is it eight, 9 PM? And again, I need the ice. Like I need all of the, all of these things I'm craving, craving, craving. I can't stop. Well, I didn't have any carbs really today. So that could be why another common one is fatty foods. Like a lot of people I've worked with crave nut butters and cheese and I guess seeds would be like a weird one to crave, but that's another one of a omega, like an omega-3 rich food that you might not be getting enough omega-3s in. If you're not getting fatty fish, olive oil, avocado, these certain foods, you could be noticing that you're actually craving the fattier foods, which could be a sign that you're not getting enough fat. Um, there's also other interesting ones like soda, like that carbonation, your calcium could be depleted. So there's a lot of different nutritional things of, I would say, if you're craving the same things, that to me is what I would want to look into of like, what are you eating all day to day? Like, is there something missing? Mm. And then habits is a really big one. Where and when are you craving this food? Are you mindlessly eating in front of the TV? Are you eating in your car? Is this comfort escape? So recognizing these habits and exploring how to really shift our behaviors is the key of really what I would work on with someone who's like physically all good, nutritionally all good. I just, when I watch Real Housewives, I need to eat all the things and I just am craving everything. So that's a total habitual behavioral different discussion that we would be having. But I guess to wrap up that answer, it could, what's behind the craving is a loaded question. And Mm -hmm. I often think off the bat, craving could be a sign of unknown or known restriction to start with, or we could dig for these other things as well. Yeah. Yeah. No, thank you for going into detail. So interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Because I I just think we, we think about cravings and we're like, okay, I'll have it or I shouldn't have it, but like, we don't explore beyond that. And I think it's so, I mean, it's probably not cool in the moment. I know it's not cool in the moment to like face probably things that make you uncomfortable, but after the fact, it's really cool because I'll say that like, now I feel like I personally, after forcing myself to like explore that stuff with, you know, struggling with mindlessly eating or, um, even a couple of years ago with binge eating and all that stuff, like even as it got less, um, like intense, even with mindlessly eating, like it would still bother me because I'm like, nothing's wrong. Like this isn't the extent to which it used to be by any means, but it still makes me feel like something is, I guess, wrong with me because, um, it feels associated to stuff that was obviously on a much more severe scale in the past. Um, so I think that that, when we start to like normalize those things of like, no, like a lot of people mindlessly eat, but you know, we all have different things behind that. So something that at least works for me, I don't know if this is going to help anybody, but I often, if I feel like I have that initial like thought of like, Oh, I kind of want this. Like, I really ask myself, what do I really need right now? Like I either say it out loud or sometimes in my head, it depends on where I am, but often it's literally like, I am just tired and I just want to relax. So if I really don't want that, if I don't want to bellyache with, with the chips, as Julia said, um, so often my answer is literally like, I want to be a potato on the couch and just lay. And my, my result from that is so much better <laughs> in terms of how I feel. So I appreciate you breaking that down because I think there's all kinds of associations with cravings. Yeah, I think what you ask yourself in that really tough moment of like yeah. holding the ice cream and like thinking is something that so many people struggle to do and even would think to do. So I think applaud yourself for that. And you probably just helped so many people. And that's such a simple thing I talk about all the time is like taking a second, whether it's a late night or you're out to dinner, like staring at your plate. It's so hard, especially socially, like who you're with and Mm -hmm. what the situation is on a date is like a huge one of where this comes into play of like, can I really think for a millisecond? Mm, Do I even know what I'm feeling? So (laughs) that is something that um, I talk through with clients all the time. And I've totally been there myself. I'm still there myself all the time. And it's, you know, strategies and I don't want to say coping mechanisms, but tools in your toolbox for certain scenarios that are really going to help you in the long run and develop into a new habit versus that, that one that you're really trying to kind of get out of. Yeah. And I definitely don't want to paint the picture that like, I'm always like in the heat of the moment, every single time without (laughs) fail, like what do I need? Because I think like, to be very real, like there have been so many times where I've had to like distract myself or like I live with my boyfriend and I've had to be like, listen, if I go and reach for this, like, let's talk a little bit because often it's like, it's, it can be so impulsive. Like, I don't, I'm trying to think of an example to compare it to, but 
just like, I don't know, you could think of a friend and then want to call them, whatever. It's obviously different, but we have impulses to, oh, online shopping. There's a perfect one. Like we have impulses to online shop all the time. We see something and we're like, oh my God, I need that bathing suit. Same thing with like, oh, I, I need to have ice cream right now. But for me, like it has not always been this thing of like, what do I actually need? Like it's been such a work in progress. So there's been so many things. Like I used to have to just put like interruptions into place for myself. Where I'm like, okay, when I have this thought, like I'm just going to go to a different room. I'm going to go upstairs. I'm going to go away from the kitchen. And it's not bad. And I think for a really long time, I associated it with like, you know, there's I'm broken as a result of that, but it's really like, no, I'm just trying to establish a new pattern because mm-hmm. this is the one that I'm used to. So um, I appreciate you normalizing that with you too, because I think a question that I would want to ask you is how do you navigate? Um, Cause I think people deal with this in every single career, whether they are like, even like Julia as an actor, like she is a kick-ass incredible actor, but obviously also still like takes acting classes to strengthen her, her craft, her skill, all the things. So like, how do you navigate um, being a human being that's a work in progress and also um, like coaching people on something that's been near and dear to your own heart? That is a loaded question. I think for a long time in my career, especially early on when I started to realize this is what I want to do, but what if, you know, I end up down the line in a really bad place with food and my body and just like not feeling like I could really help others be where they want to be like that type of, those types of thoughts were constantly in my head, especially through college, the pressure of everyone else in my classes, there's, there's, again, I don't want to say toxic, but there's definitely a culture to the world, especially in undergrad of this path. And I think that something that I even am doing now, kind of which I did touch on, is asking questions and just being a sponge with Alex in my role right now. Like if it's about myself, it's if it's about clients, if it's about business, I truly just ask, ask, ask away. And I also think, which I might've already touched on as a dietitian who is coaching and helping clients reach their goals, there's something to be said for, which you kind of asked me in your question. Like I have goals and I have certain chunks of time where my lifestyle towards my own nutrition is going to look a little bit different. For example, I don't even think I've really posted this transparently on my page, but summer's approaching Mm -hmm. and I'm being a lot more aware with my intake than I was three, four months ago. Like I think maybe a lot of people were in like the colder months where I was layering up and now summer is coming. So for the past couple of months, I would say leading up to the summer, I've just been building my awareness around like what I'm consuming myself and, you know, diving into all the time as a dietitian, kind of like you mentioned about classes, always trying aside from that, like trying to really just learn as much as I can, especially being so young and new to this career, taking courses, getting certifications, reading research, getting involved in research. So really doing all the things to just stay on top of the latest and greatest in my field, I think is so important and something that you would find a lot of dietitians, I think, are trying to do between the continuing education credits we just need and also just our personalities. And I think our like passion for the field, it's like we always nutrition is such a new little science. So we always want to keep learning and growing and building off of it. Yeah, for sure. I love that. Yeah. It's a, it's amazing. And, um, it just sounds like working with you would be a dream page because, um, you're so knowledgeable and I just love your approach to it and you make it very, very accessible. Um, which I think is really like what we circle back to in the beginning of just having, the knowledge and a basis, it can put you on such a unique track. And so often we don't, you know, give ourselves the time or the resources to get to know that. And you've been such a great resource for that. So thank you for answering all our questions. Can I ask you one technical question before we get to our like wrap up questions? Of course. Thank you so much for that. Of course. Um, How much water should we be drinking? And is there like a certain time of day that we should be in taking more water than other times of day? I've been I lo- feeling very dehydrated lately. Okay. So this is I lo- a personal question. <laughs> I love that question. And I actually, in my stories today, my three like digestible tips I gave for coming off of a weekend like this were to oh, avoid, avoid restriction. Like we talked about drink water, 
and what was the third one? Movement, get your Mm -hmm. movement in, whatever that may look like for you. And with water, I actually did mention as a general rule of thumb, if you're kind of just starting the hydration game, or even if you're pretty, you're a pretty good water drinker, you could do this calculation and see kind of what yours comes out to, but you want to take your weight in pounds and divide it by two, whatever that number is in your head in ounces is a nice goal to set for how much water you can drink every day. So so um, easy. Yeah. Wow. It's not going to be as crazy as you may think. I think there's a lot of, you know, three liters a day, like three liters, I feel like is something mm-hmm. that's been thrown around from, I won't say the name, certain diets out there of just like a goal or something that you should be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also depends on what you're eating. So if you're eating, right. for example, like a very, very high fiber diet, you're going to need way more water to really mm-hmm. avoid a lot of bloat and discomfort and flush it, flush it all out li- yeah. quite literally. So yeah. Yeah. Um, that comes into play. If you eat a lot of fiber, a lot of fruits and vegetables, it sounds like you have a diet rich in whole foods. If you have a high fiber diet, maybe up it a little bit by 10, 20 ounces. If you're already drinking okay. way past that, that's amazing. Um, but that is, I guess, a general rule of thumb of the amount. As far as the time of day, um, being consistent throughout the day is going to be in your favor because if you know you get to the end of the day, you're feeling dehydrated, headache, got to drink all this water, you're going to get super uncomfortable if you try mm. to you know chug liters of water really late. So I would say aiming for throughout the day, you know, I like to say maybe a liter by lunch, a liter by dinner, and then maybe a little bit more in the in-between at breakfast, having a cup or after dinner, having a cup, but other things count, you know, tea counts, coffee, contrary to popular belief counts, um, seltzer counts, flavored water counts. You can infuse. I love, I have watermelon in my fridge. It's actually my roommates, but I have mint leaves and I'm going to do a little like mint and watermelon water situation, like a spa water tomorrow. So lots of tips and tricks. I love talking about water because I do not like water. So I love to talk about other ways to, to get your water in. (laughs) Yeah. And I feel like I, I, until like I asked Brenda literally the other day, I didn't know that like seltzer or like flavored seltzers could count towards your water intake. I, I actually do love water and, um, I actually prefer regular water to seltzer water, but I think that there's a lot of people who don't and who like really, I know Brenda loves a flavored seltzer and I had no idea that that could count towards your water intake. I was like, wow, you're drinking so much water. Even like a smoothie with like an unsweetened nut milk, like an almond Mm. milk is just almonds and water. So if you're having like a huge smoothie with a cup or two cups of almond milk, that counts. Soups, um, sherbets, like random foods, high water content, fruits and vegetables. So to read, to it's not, it shouldn't be too difficult to get your water in, but for those who really, really struggle, I would recommend do that calculation. If you're way, way below that, just try to drink more water than you drank yesterday and really just go from there and keep building slow and steady. Yeah. No, that's, that's incredibly helpful. And just to touch on for a moment, you, you gave us so many incredible tips. And obviously, even if you are newer to your field, you have certifications, you're a registered dietitian, which um, for the registered dietitians we've had on the show it's a lot of schooling. It's a lot of science. It's not easy. Not everybody takes the path. So um, obviously you're incredibly knowledgeable, qualified, skilled, everything in between. So I appreciate like how vulnerable you are in terms of like simultaneously, like obviously growing as a human, because we have so many experts on the show, you being one of them, but I think it's also cool to get like insight from someone who's again, newer, not new, but newer to this sector, like the private practice sector and whatnot, and hearing from your journey there, because again, like nobody has it figured out. Even people who we consider like super duper experts and have been doing things for their whole life from when they were born. Um, like, so I think it's so cool to hear this now, because again, kind of like you said before, we actually got on the show, just hearing things that are relatable, like whether people are new registered dietitians or whether they're literally in any field in the world, I think it's so easy to feel like you're supposed to know everything, the ins and outs, when so much of this stuff comes through experience and through just like asking questions, like you said, and not being afraid to ask. And I love that you do that now in the place that you're in, but also that you encourage other people to do the same because we don't have to put up this front that like, we know everything, we don't need help. And I think that because we want to put up a front that like, we know what 
what's going on. Sometimes we don't. <laughs> so I appreciate you sharing all of that because I think it, it'll encourage our listeners too, that like, no matter where they are, it's okay to ask questions. It's okay to be a work in progress in other ways. Um, and also be like a badass, knowledgeable human in your field. Well, thank you. I love that. Of course. I, I think the listeners needed that and I always need that. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, of course. And for someone who is like, thinking about working with you, if you even have spots open or maybe in the future, what is it like having you as a coach? Great question. We do have spots open. I guess I'll wrap up with kind of how you can work with us at Alex Giraffe Nutrition with Alex or myself in maybe the group aspect or one-on-one. Um, but I would hope that working with me is a really positive experience and it doesn't really have to feel, or I hope it doesn't feel for my current clients, like just another thing that you have to kind of navigate and figure out and kind of get through. And that it really feels like you're investing in something and someone who's really going to help them look and feel and be their happiest and best, healthiest versions of themselves. So if you're interested, if you have any goals, if you struggle with your relationship with food, um, the list goes on and on of really like who would be quote unquote, the ideal client. I think that question is so broad and so many people out there would be an ideal client for us. Um, but if you are interested in learning more about our services, how to connect with me, um, you can follow me on Instagram at pages underscore plates, which hopefully we can maybe link show notes or something like that Absolutely. afterwards. Um, but yeah, everything would really be through my Instagram channel. If you go to my LinkedIn bio, I do have a personal website that I have not updated in a long time. It was really something I was working on kind of in college that I haven't touched on, but there's still more about me, some shop discount codes, all that kind of stuff. And then through Alex's website is really where you would be funneled toward booking a discovery call, um, learning how to work with us and me one-on-one. I have spots open one-on-one right now for VIP coaching and our next group, depending on when this podcast launches, it might be perfect timing or we might miss it, is actually going to be in the beginning middle of middle of July. I think July 18th is when our group program will be launching next. Our April group is wrapping up soon, but the group program, if you're looking for support in a small tight-knit group with about 12 to 15 other mostly women, you get two registered dietitian coaches, Alex, Alex and myself lead that group. And it's a 12-week intensive program, heavy, heavy on the education, not as much hand-holding as one-on-one, but a lot of support from other people going through the same type of thing. And then one-on-one would really be that hands-on individual support where we would meet one-on-one throughout a minimum of three months and potentially longer than that, but all through the website, alexdraftnutrition.com. Amazing. And I will link all of that in the show notes so people can find you and Alex and all of the incredible things that you do and your awesome Instagram, which I love so much. And I love your your little tips that you give. Uh, We just have one last question before we let you go, Paige. This doesn't have to be about nutrition, but it can be if you want it to be. Um, What has, what is one resource that has helped guide you through your twenties thus far? Could be a book, podcast, person, anything. I would say um, one, I'm going to go with person who has really guided me through my twenties is going to have to be shout out to therapy, my therapist. I yes. don't think, Love it. I, I do not think I would have made this career major risky wild jump in my type A personality um, ever if it wasn't for her amazing guidance and support um, as not only a career coach, therapist friend, but really helping to guide me through my career, through finishing up school, through COVID, relationships. I mean, you name it. I feel so blessed to have support, um, through this person. And I feel like, um, I wouldn't be here today. And I'm so looking forward to continuing that growth on myself, um, in the future. Oh, I love that so much. So, so incredible Paige! Thank you so much for your time and your wisdom and, We are so grateful to have had you on the show today and everyone give Paige a follow and I hope everyone has a great week and drink your water. (laughs) Thanks guys. Drink up. (laughs) Goodbye everybody. Bye everyone. Thanks for listening to Roaring 20s podcast. Be sure to rate and review wherever you get your podcasts and please subscribe. You're never alone. Our pride sticks together. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Roaring 20s podcast. 
forget to start your week with us and end your week with us. With love, Brenda and Julia. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.